Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, we're going to be talking about AI in the classroom and how this all relates to how. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 65. Call me how. AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Learn more at atlona.com. This is EdTech, the monthly higher ed tech podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this month I'm joined by Ernie Bailey. How are you, sir? Mr. Rob Raspberry. How are you, sir? Hello, greetings. Indeed. And as I say, and as well, Mr. Scott Tyner. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Bill. Thanks for having me here again this week. Ah, good. So, uh, first off, we're going to talk about uh, this uh, with uh, this podcast. Uh, we're going to start off first with an article from Commercial Integrator. Uh, it is in which there's, it talks about how uh, Oblong has uh, set up a um, distribution agreement with a distributor. And it's kind of combining the Cisco uh, meeting rooms and it's kind of bundling everything together. Now, if you haven't ever played around with Oblong, um, you can usually go at uh, Infocom or a couple other spaces. And um, Oblong essentially has these multi-display uh, setups. And so, you know, you have kind of like a wraparound kind of command room kind of setup, except that, you know, you can have like multiple displays around the room. Um, Partnering this with Cisco, I think, is an interesting idea. The problem I have with it is, um, and this kind of piggybacks off something that we had talked a while back, um, I like the idea of Oblong. Um, however, I've kind of played with it a bit myself, and it's one of these things where from a collaboration perspective, I think it's great because you can throw a number of things into it. Um, the only thing is that if you look at Oblong stuff, they have what I swear looks kind of like uh, the the Nintendo Wii remote on steroids. And you have to use the, the wand to kind of move everything around. And not for nothing, I do love our students. I, I, I tolerate our, fac our faculty and everything. But it's two things. One, it's using a remote to kind of move everything around and move this up. And two is the fact that it's a remote, and at times we've had it where, you know, remotes will walk. So, you know, and Scott, I'm going to pitch this to you because we talked about this kind of uh, in previous podcasts about this, and that is, this is a cool idea, except that this really does kind of hammer down, you know, listen, some things our faculty will navigate to, or sometimes it's here, we're going to give you a one-on-one -on -one to kind of give, give you an idea this is what you really need to do. But this is one of these ones where I, I look at it and I go, this is cool, but this, this is almost on the level of like kind of changing your, your teaching style and everything else. And I think that actually, it's, it's one of those things where like, I think some of our more seasoned faculty will probably look and go and say, wait, how do I do this or that? And you know, it's the who moved my cheese kind of thing. And, and I'm, I'm a little hesitant on that one, on, on this whole thing. Like, what do you, what, like, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, Bill, um, I'm, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking the same thing. Although I was wondering, I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe they've got like a Wii Golf built into there as an Easter egg or something, right? And they can use the remote. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I actually, I mean, certainly in, in Ed Bates, I think most places, we desperately try to get rid of remotes. If, if yeah. we, we don't want to remote anywhere. The other one that stuck out to me here is, is the whole bundling of, of things. And for me, it, we don't, you know, we don't use um, WebEx here as, as our product. We, we use a, a different video conferencing product. And so the whole bundling thing, it always feels forced and it feels as though, um, and they are, right? They're trying to get you to move to, to their product. Um, so I, that, that always makes me a, a little bit uncomfortable. But again, I, I think you're right. This whole idea of, um, telling a faculty member or tell even not even necessarily a, a, a long season one, uh, mm-hmm. but one who's been doing it for five to 10 years, here's, here's how you need to change. It's, it's always really difficult at a place like Bates. Yeah. The, the bigger thing too is, and you're right. The, the, like, then that's whole, that's at times um, Cisco's MO is, Hey, we have this great product, but Oh yeah, you have to play in our, in our sandbox on this stuff or anything. And, that's one of the things I actually kind of missed when they still had uh, Tamburg. And that was Tamburg at least would have what they called the integrator package, which was pretty much here's the codec. You hook up whatever you want. To, you hook up whatever you need to the back. We have all the connectors on the back end, including the mythical net 25 connector. Uh, if, if anyone's ever, if anyone ever has ever worked on the uh, federal government side, they'll know what that's for. That's all we'll say. Um, but the thing is Tamburg didn't really get, that crazed about you know oh you're using a dsp okay well you know use uh, this audio in versus uh the mic in because that's at mic level and you know if you if you knew how to work dsps you were fine cisco it's oh here we took the polycom route in which you know they didn't go to the the nth degree where you know folks if you've ever seen the old polycom uh mic pods and everything they actually had an rj45 that was offset and you're like what what evil genius thought of this? But um, it's one of those things where Cisco is very much in this realm of you play in our sandbox, you play with our stuff, you don't do that. We're not gonna, we're not gonna guarantee this. And um, if anything, like this, I'm just thinking about how we do the mix and match. Ernie, how do you guys? You guys do a, a fair amount of teleconferencing or tell or televideo with this. So how do you guys work out the odds and ends of this? Well. Uh we found out we pretty much have to at least try to play Cisco's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have to explain to our internal customers that, yes, we bought the Touch 10 package, and no, we're not going to use most of the features. Most of the hardware that came with it, we're just mm-hmm. going to plug the uh, codec into our existing system. Mm-hmm. Well, then why did I pay for all this other stuff? Well, basically, if you want to have the features that we want, they're packaged, mm-hmm. all, all the license keys, everything else that we want are packaged into the Touch 10. If I buy them separately, first I have to find a supplier that will sell us just the codec. It's, it's I a, it, have, I have it's to go to Cisco and get permission, but then it comes with no license keys. You know, we can't do dual screen. We you know, we don't have encryption. We don't have this. We don't have that. But if I buy the Touch 10, it's cheaper, and I've got everything already there. <laughs> you get, as I say, it's the, it's the listen, if you buy the car package, uh, um, you know, if you bought the, the Toyota Camry Level 4, oh, yeah, all that's built yeah. in. I only want the Level 2. Yeah, those are all uh, 
piecemeal items. I, w- I want the level two, but I would also like to have the intermittent windshield wipers. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We don't do that package. <laughs> uh, and that's where we are. Just, so I've got a stack of touch tens sitting mm-hmm. in our office. You know, they're, they're uh, actual uh, controllers, mm-hmm. uh, touchscreen controllers still in the box. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about maybe putting those in some specialty rooms that we may have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got the Cisco cameras sitting in boxes because we use audio cameras mm-hmm. usually because uh, my programmer likes them better, you know? Yeah. Well, that's and that's the thing, too, is that <clears throat> you, th- this is the thing I've, I've seen. When you start playing directly in one sandbox, it, it all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Well, yes, if you're, if you never go outside of this and you're, you know, almost like, uh, um, you know, if you stay within the sandbox, you're not going to have any issues. Well, if you're like me, um, that sandbox has a lot of different folks mixing and mingling all the time to begin with. So it's, yeah. So it's, what's that? And occasionally a cat. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if anything, um, I also have, re- I've also kind of noticed and, you know, uh, as I say, both Rob and Scott, I'll, I'll ask you guys on this one. Um, okay. you know, as well as I do that a lot of times there are some products that manufacturers make really well and they're very good at it. Cisco, you know, we'll, we'll give them the devils they're due. They're good at making switches. They're good at making uh, network traffic, you know, uh, load balancers, things like this, you know, all the network backbone stuff. But if I see a Cisco camera or a Cisco microphone, I'm going, that's nice. Uh, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Now, the only, t- the only time I would like look at it a little sideways is if all of a sudden Cisco suddenly said, oh, yeah, we came up with our own DSP. I'd go, who did you buy this from or where do I go and get the razor and peel up the sticker? And I look and say, oh, who is this actually? Oh, wait a minute. Who OEM this? Okay. Um. So, Rob, I mean, I'll go with you on this one. When it comes to manufacturers, what are some of the things that you've seen they do really well? And in this case, it's either from a video standpoint or from an endpoint standpoint. What's, what's more of the stuff you guys look at and say, this is, the, this is the, the manufacturers we prefer. This is the ones where we look and say, put it back in the oven. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, you have to look at each product sort of separately. And, you know, if you look at cameras, you know, what are you using it for? Is it a production camera? Mm-hmm. Is it a room camera? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Vadio, you know, it, it's expensive, but it's a great product. You know, they do things very well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear something like, you know, like you said, like Cisco coming up with your own camera, you're like, you're right. Scrape the the tag off and see who it's with. And since we're in a higher ed um, environment, typically we look for the best product for the use case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I find that if you talk to somebody who may be on the more corporate side, they're more apt to go with those bundles simply because they don't, they just can, you know, they can just, you know, throw yeah. that money out there. Oh, Cisco's got all in one solution. Oh, let's try it. Uh, whereas we in higher ed have to be more um, uh, critical of, of how things work and how they integrate with each other. So um, I, I don't know, over the last, and this is uh, on a sort of a bit of a side note, so we've been using Zoom a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I found as far as a collaboration platform that Zoom does really well 
is they seem to be very open with their APIs and integration. And it seems like Zoom can just almost integrate with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, you, you can go with Skype for business. It can, you know, we're finding out that you might be able to even, you know, have it go live to, uh, you know, Facebook Live. It, it just does all these interesting things. Now, they a la carte you to death. But um, as far as on the collaboration side, it really does a very nice job. So when you're talking about AM access, example, you know, I think we may have talked about this. We were an AMX shop. Mm-hmm. And we loved the functionality years ago, but what happened is our network is a very open network, bombarded the, the, the AMX controllers mm-hmm. with a bunch of uh, network traffic and the kernel panic and they drop off the network mm-hmm. at the worst time. So then we started testing other products and sure enough, Extron mm-hmm. uh, came out as a clear winner, not because it was perfect, but it would drop off and it would reset itself, come back up on the network. So an instructor is not sitting there for 10 minutes wondering what the heck's going on um so from from our perspective you know you just take a look at the use case and you take a look at product and we can do plug and play more because i think we understand better you know how to optimize functionality for things Mm -hmm. the 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 one thing i have noticed at least from uh like the best use use scenario (laughs) is this and and um and i'll give you guys a good example of this one um, <clears throat> a while back, uh, I had been at an Infocom show many moons ago, um, <clears throat> and this was still just around the time when they still were saying, yeah, yeah, we'll do Anaheim. So, um, uh, Toa went and said, Hey, check this out. We made a mic, uh, we made a uh, mic array. And I said, Oh, that seems interesting. Now in the past audio, you know, audio wise, Toa does some very straightforward stuff. You know, it's not rarely have I ever seen anything from Toa where I look and I go and say, Ooh, that's, that's pretty. It's functional. It works. They, they know their stuff. I'll give them credit. They don't quit working. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those things are like, this is a, believe me, their amps are like Mack trucks. I'll give them that. Um, so we looked at it and I said, all right, what the heck? And uh, I said, you know, we'll get one of the, uh, the little mic arrays. And it looked like, you know, essentially uh, uh, if you had taken a keyboard and kind of squished it a little bit and stretched it out, you know, like a, you know, essentially the king size candy bar. Well, that thing was a couple thousand. And um, the thing that they didn't bother to tell me was the fact that I only saw the mic. I didn't see the processing box that came with it. And more of the point, the firmware on those box on that box, uh, they're like, "Oh yeah, you have to send that back." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like, you know, it, 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 it turned it turned into, uh, I believe, the firmware was actually baked on it was actually uh, on a baked on chip. It wasn't just something you could do the software update to, and um, that we ended up putting in our auditorium. And that one thing had so much high use that usually about once a day or so, uh, um, I essentially told our programmer, "Oh yeah, listen, put the pa- put um, put that microarray box on a um, on a relay switch." And I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's got to do a hard reboot at least once a day now." <laughs> yeah, um, but. You know, it's one of those things where you looked and said, okay, that's cool. Note to self. I'm like, I will stick with Toa as far as their, you know, their amps and uh, some of their other products. But I'm like, that that mic, I was like, yeah, okay, you know what? In the future, I'll stick with Shure or Sennheiser or, you know, actually the one we've been using quite a bit has been Clock Audio. Clock audio. Yeah. Hmm. Case, in case in point, sometimes you just stick, you stick with what you know and it's, there's nothing, say, there's nothing wrong with trying out new stuff, but... 
like I said, guys, every now and then there's some stuff where it's like, it's really good. There's, there's some other things where it's put it back in the oven. Uh, <laughs> so moving on from that, uh, our next article comes to us from AV Network, uh, AV Network Magazine, and it is on bringing AI into classroom AV design. Um, and what this one covers is uh, one of our, as I say, one of our uh, tech managers in Scranton uh, has actually found a way to where he's programmed in uh, Alexa into their uh, Extron classrooms. And, you know, part of, if you read through the article and everything, it's, it's partially working in the AI. It's also him doing a lot of coding with it. Uh, the other part that they brought up was an interesting thing was the fact that it's their way of trying to meet uh, ADA compliance, which, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know those, those three deadly letters um, and you're in higher ed, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that you've got, you know, you, you really need to read over some things because otherwise, um, well, I'll just go look up Penn State and ADA compliance. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, um, so in their case, the ADA compliance was that you could use the Alexa voice commands for folks who have uh, certain disabilities, such as, you know, being like, say, legally blind or um, vision impaired, depending on how, how, how much of a degree you wanted to go. Uh, I, I appreciate where they're coming from with that. Uh, my counter argument to that is um, as far as touch panels are concerned, you can make uh, sorts of tactile feedback, whether it's uh, beeping, which I know annoys, annoys a number of our faculty, uh, or you can actually still make, uh, still have uh, hard, uh, hard touch buttons, or you can even go to the degree that we've done in a couple of our auditoriums where there's a uh, hard button keypad and we actually went and had um, uh, Braille uh, inscribed, inscribed on the uh, buttons for quick and easy access. That's going to the nth degree, but at the same time, my view of it is this. Um, if you look at how the diagram went on the article and everything, uh, Alexa is still pulling stuff back to Amazon Web Services and still kind of recording these things. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know with our faculty, um, they... They approach lecture capture as long as they're okay with it, as long as they have direct control over it. If you've noticed with Alexa and some other things, it's always listening. It's always, it's always on unless, you know, you go down into the code and say, oh, yeah, here's the streamer, it goes out. So any of our, any of our faculty, we could put that in, but at the same time, I, am, I could guarantee you I would come back in, I would come back into the room and I'd probably find the micro USB cable to the uh, the the dot or the Alexa unit. I could guarantee you it would come. I would come back. It was unplugged, and it's not anything bad so much as, let's face it, our faculty. It's it's almost one of those if they know they're being observed, their patterns will change, and it's it's one of those things where I I, I think it's a good idea. I am still waiting for. Listen, I love voice commands. I think it's more of the voice recognition that we're still waiting for. But that's, that's my little soapbox on this one. And uh, as I say, Rob, I can see you're smiling and laughing. And so I'm going to go to you first on this one in the fact of you know exactly where I'm coming from with this as far as faculty. When they know they're being observed, they suddenly change up their act. Yep. And it goes into intellectual property. Who's watching me? What is this? Tenure, all these kinds of things. I think the um, – I think the uh, the concept of this is really great. I think it needs to be self-contained. So you basically assure a faculty member that this isn't Alexa, this isn't a service. 
This is a self-contained voice recognition system. It hears what you do. If you say, turn the projector on, it turns the projector on and try to get them to understand that nobody is listening like Big Brother. But you're right, that's a big um, hurdle to climb. I also get a little one, I also would like get a little scared if one day they walk in and you know, you tell Alexa to turn the projector on and it says, oh, I'm Hal now. I don't <laughs> think that's a good idea, doctor. But, you know, but I, I think that, you know, the whole um, idea, so, so, you know, we like to sort of take things out of the faculty's, uh, the faculty member's hands so they can focus on teaching. And I think the whole hands-free idea is great. Um, but I, you know, to your point, I think there is that concern. Listen, who's controlling the system mm -hmm. and what's it going to do? So, I mean, if they come up with a, he comes up with a self-contained, system and you make the faculty members understand that you know you're just giving a command it's not listening to your lecture it's not following your patterns I think you're going to be okay but that is going to be that's a long way to convince somebody to do that but this yeah. whole AI and voice recognition stuff is uh, so this is actually the other end of it and and Ernie this is really more like your realm on this one and that is uh, well it's a twofold thing being that you know you're at a, uh, a teaching hospital slash medical school and everything, if anything, I'm sure when the when the faculty are actually going over like certain case studies and things like this, it's not oh yeah well you know this one was already passed or this or that no this is oh yes this is uh, Mr. Smith this was all his stuff I know I'm sure obviously you guys block out certain PII information but at the same time there's also HIPAA privacy concerns that. For them, they probably look at this and go, what? Where is this data going? Where is this, where is this information being shared? That was the first thing I thought of. Yes, you know, we try, you know, well, you know, with HIPAA, we're very careful about what we say and things. But if we're in a contained classroom and all the permissions are, are right, they can still have these conversations. But if there is a microphone that's going out to the uh, wherever, cloud. <laughs> out to the cloud, uh, then that becomes a serious issue. Uh, I, you know, our uh, HIPAA compliance office would probably block whatever port they're wanting it to go out. Immediately. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I, I do like the idea of voice commands uh, for our systems. I think that would be neat, you know, mm -hmm. Professor walk in the room and say, you know, uh, start my session. Yeah, how I'll start my session and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know. Look what you've done, Rob. Yeah. Fire, fire up Blackboard, put my presentation on the screen, please, you know, yeah. uh, start, start collaborating. Uh, I, I would love that. My staff would love that. But having listening for other words and then those go, whatever it's listening to going out, that would never fly. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, um, like I said, the privacy concerns for you guys, I can say the, the other thing too is just, Think of it this way, it's the, as much as everyone goes, you know, like look at like uh, Crestron. Crestron has gone and their fusion, the, you know, their new version of fusion and everything, it does go out to, um, they use, I believe it's uh, either Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure, one of the two. And um, now, as I say, now Ernie, I would ask you this, is it a public, is it public cloud or is it private cloud? Uh, what, oh, Crestron's Amazon? Deal? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's sitting on a server out there that, you know, not within our realm to protect. See, and that, and so that's going to have to be considered public, even 
you know, unless they give us, you know, some sort of documentation and security. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. in that, in this, in this regard, it's one of those, like I said, just following us back to Alexa for a second, uh, is that this, if it went out to like, say the data, say, you know, the actual programming and everything else, if it went to say within like a private cloud within, within the campus's own network and everything, or, you know, at least their storage, that's fine because at that point it's being, it's, it's under, it's under, you know, the university's control and everything. Once it goes public, it's goes, well, that's, 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 as I say, once again, that's mineable data, which is also coincidentally folks. Uh, this is also the same reason why if I ever look through Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, I always flag everything is inappropriate. Why? Because I'm like, I just don't want to view these ads. <laughs> Evil dopey trick. I know, but still. Um, Scott, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on the, uh, little AI, AI issues here? Nope. I think it's, um, I, for me, without doubt, this is clearly the future of where we're going. Right. And as I, and as I read the article, I thought, um, I think the whole, all the work that Robert Kennedy's doing is uh, a beta test. Not just, he's not just in beta, the whole thing's a beta test. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine, um, this coming to classrooms at some point, maybe not with a, Echo, maybe not with a device from Amazon that has to go out to, to the web servers. Um, but, you know, the other thing we do is we, we're a Gmail house. We're a Google house. Uh, mm -hmm. They're FERPA compliant. They're HIPAA compliant. They've signed all the right documents. So, you know, Amazon could do the same thing eventually. Um, I think that one of the things we're really working on, and we think about security a lot, though, is this idea of uh, we're operating in a world where everything goes out to the Internet and everything's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we had to just, we had to operate in that world rather than kind of shut ourselves off from it. Mm -hmm. The other one that concerned me a little bit about this, and I think that, it's got great potential for ADA. Uh, one of the things I think you were getting to this bill, though, is I think you've got to really bring in the experts in, in ADA. I, I don't know that we're qualified to say, oh, voice recognition solves an ADA problem. <laughs> I don't know that it does. Uh, so it, it, I think there's some potential there, but I think you got to really get talk to people who understand those issues and can advise you on it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um – just with ADA and we'll, we'll leave it to this uh, as much as we want to try to be advocates for these things. And it's not, it's not us saying like, you know, Oh, we have to go and do this. It's no, it's, it's from a tech manager's perspective. It's being kind of proactive about things rather than, you know, getting caught with your pants down kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do I think it's a good idea? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think like, like you said, we're in the beta phase. So give it a little bit more time, let it work itself through. And I think it'll actually eventually, like you said, uh, who knows, Crestron, AMX, Extron, whoever, will probably get into the realm of here, we've actually made our own uh, voice recognition box. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, the box will be literally like a 2RU unit and it'll be like, did you guys get your own Dell computer? No, no. Okay. But <laughs> it'll, it'll get there. Um, so yes, uh, that's about all the time we have. Scott, where can the fine folks find you at? Um, on uh, LinkedIn and mm -hmm. uh, also on Twitter at S Tyner. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Ernie Bailey, where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Fair enough. And uh, Rob had to actually duck out due to some issues. Um, oh. Yeah, space space allocation. Meeting oh, there we go. So he had to uh, work that rather quickly. Rob, where can the fine folks find you at? Uh, so I am on uh, LinkedIn as mm -hmm. Rob Raspberry, also uh, Dexel.edu. Okay, fair enough. Aria. 
And I'm Bill O'Donnell. You can find me on LinkedIn. And that's, as I say, and as I say, that once again, you've been listening to EdTech. That's EdTech on Aviation. Nation.